Hello, and welcome back to the Our Strange Skies podcast. We're kicking off 2020 with a new series, the Witness Series, where we'll open up the podcast to a witness of the phenomenon and allow them to tell their stories. The first episode comes with a content warning. What you're about to hear may be triggering for some people. Please check the show notes for more details. My second warning is for the benefit of the witness. If you have criticisms or ridicule concerning what you're about to hear, keep it to yourself. You've been warned. With that said... All right, take a deep breath. All right, um, so just go ahead, introduce yourself, tell us all that you, you know, want us to know. is Lauren. Um, I, gosh, I don't even know. I don't even know where to begin. Well, um, <laughs> I think uh, first, uh, where are you from? Oh, um, I am from Kentucky, eastern Kentucky from the hills. Um, pretty deep Appalachia, closer to the uh, tri-state area at that nice little point between uh, Point Pleasant, <laughs> <laughs> Ashland, yeah. and uh, um, honestly, if anybody's near, ever been around like Portsmouth, Ohio, that place is pretty creepy too, mm. um, but th- I think that's just because it's Ohio. um so yeah just real deep eastern kentucky a lot of i don't know a lot of really unexplored territory a lot of really unexplored forests and state parks so it's a lot of it's untouched yeah there's a good deal of it that's that's very untouched and um very dense forest you don't really wander out into the woods um at night you don't know what you're going to run into if you're going to find a sinkhole if you're going to find a cave if you're going to find a den of coyotes um we have bears and we've had a few people on their trail cam as friends um they've got images of mountain lions um even though they still say that we don't have any mountain lions. I've seen three images in the last year. So uh, it's a pretty wild area. It's also, I think, what I've come to see Kentucky as from just you, your family, my interactions with you and your family, the research that I've done, 
um, the Hellier stuff lately. Kentucky's a really fucked up place. It's very odd. Um, it's very odd. Even, like, right down to the folklore that people pass down in their, like, respective areas. Um, it's very odd. Um, it's weird. Um, certain places you can go and you can visit and there's something off about it. My hometown, you could leave and be gone, like, especially while I was in college, leave for a week, come back on the weekends, um... And it was just a little bit darker. Even if it was bright outside, it was just a little bit darker. So was Ashland. You could leave um, Ashland, come back, and it would be the brightest, warmest, nicest summer day. And it would still feel dark. Pike, Pikeville is the same Mm. way. I've never, I mean, I don't travel a whole, whole lot but i've been a lot of different places and i've never been anywhere where i've seen so many people with uh graveyards in the front yard literally you'll look and there's like fenced in like chain link fence graveyards in people's front yards and i think that like the darkness there has to do with the coal and the poverty and and the hills are really really deep there um, it's just an area that's really cut off from the rest of the world. It's almost forgotten. I uh, was talking to someone else who grew up in uh, western Kentucky, and the way that they made it seem is like it's almost like a third world country. It's just, it's very different from what you would see in like most other towns in this country. It's very you know, poverty stricken. It's very, not a very hopeful place. No. And like, you're going to see that throughout Kentucky. We have one of the worst funded education systems. Um, One of the most corrupt governments. People just get left behind all the time. And there, I mean, there are surrounding states that carry the hillbilly term, too, but Kentucky especially shoulders the, stere- the hillbilly stereotypes, and so um, I feel like, especially if I'm meeting somebody not from Kentucky, outside of Kentucky, because of my accent, too, you're not really taken as seriously. Mm-hmm. I don't know. To me, I don't understand it. I've lived here my whole life, um, and I've known some absolutely incredibly intelligent, wonderful, beautiful people here. Um, The culture is so rich and diverse and longstanding. It's, It's beautiful, and there's so many things that have happened here, so many different people we've encountered that have experienced strange things here in Kentucky. And they won't talk about it for fear of not being believed. Mm. And I think, I mean, that's universal, but here there's there's a special kind of fear, I think, about talking about it. Yeah. There was an episode of Dolly Parton's America recently that kind of touched on this and how that stereotype of the Southern folk, the ones with the, the hard accents not being as smart as other people 
and also kind of playing that up to get funding because it it seemed in some ways um that there was some of that going on but like part of it's the way that other people perceived it and the other part of it is how southern people needed to use that image to get funding for things like education and such yeah and that's i mean that's completely understandable like um when i graduated college i worked as a cashier in a local grocery store and so i handled a lot of food stamps and wick and uh the majority of the people who use those cards when they came through my line were lower and upper middle class. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, you saw like a handful of people who were obviously way below the poverty line that came through. Um, but I honestly, the whole time I worked there, maybe saw one or two people trying to scam the system, so to say. Um, we're just a really poor state. We've got a really wacky image. Um, I've got a friend that um, is from another country that just asks me all the time about the fried chicken. And I'm just like, I really hate KFC. (laughs) (laughs) It's uh, it's just some pretty, I don't know, Kentucky's its own thing. It, It definitely seems that way. So... I'm having you on to tell your stories because uh, I've been friends with you for going on almost two years now, and some of the stories that you have told me are just, they're so far out of my wheelhouse, I don't even (laughs) know how to quantify them most of the time. Some of them I can, just because, um, I mean, for me, I've been... The the UFO stuff is relatively new. I've only been researching that for like the last, I want to say about five years. But like my other stuff goes beyond that. I started with the paranormal investigation stuff and going into homes and and helping people or at least trying to and still can't quantify most of the stuff that you tell me. And I think it's important for people to tell their stories and uh, to give people a platform. So the floor is yours. Go ahead and you can start wherever you want to start. You can take this thing wherever you want to take it. It could get pretty weird. Pretty fast. I, I I kind of expect it to get pretty weird pretty fast. Yeah. Um. I guess I could start. I'm not. Gonna, I'm not gonna start with the heavy hitter first, just because I gotta calm my nerves a little bit, and I'm afraid if I talk about it, I'll start to cry. Like, and that's not a good way to start. Um. Can we um, just first address <laughs> like, um, you are currently in therapy, and you've been in therapy for quite a while now right oh yeah years and every single time i maintain a therapist the same therapist i have for years um anytime i get a new psychiatrist i go through the same screenings for 
um, various mental illnesses, including schizophrenia, um, dissociative identity disorder, any type of delusion, hallucinations. Um, I go through all of that almost yearly at this point. I take medicine and I've never been diagnosed with any sort of schizophrenia, dissociative identity disorder, anything like that. I have your very typical depression and anxiety, and I keep it under control through um, very tame medication, um, exercise, sleep. I'm a veteran at living with depression and anxiety. I've, I've had it for a long time. So I'm, I'm quite sane. <laughs> um, just, just from talking to my therapist, she keeps. I mean, we we discuss this stuff like it's it's medical. Like it's in my medical records that all I've got is depression and anxiety. Uh, you were diagnosed with a specific form of PTSD, weren't you? Complex PTSD. Mm-hmm. It comes with a variety of other symptoms, if not kept under control. Um, the CPTSD comes from other life experiences, though, that mm-hmm. actually occurred um, at a time when there was a pretty big lull in the strangeness that my family had experienced. So, and that was... I think that I was actually very focused on the traumatic experiences I was experiencing then and not anything else around me. But that is also under control with medication and uh, CBT, talk therapy, everything. I work really hard to keep it under control. You do. And that's one thing that um, just in the conversations that we have that... I've noticed just the links that you go to to do that. So um, it's it's not easy. I it's I, I want to preface this for everybody. This is not going to be easy for Lauren to talk about uh, any of this stuff, uh, regardless of uh, you know uh, the PTSD and all of that. It's it's going to be difficult. This is not your normal run of the mill stuff usually. So. I want to preface that for people, and um, from here on out, unless uh, unless something needs to be clarified, unless I have a clarifying question, this you um, you steer this thing. This is your your ship now. So go ahead. <sighs> um, I guess I can start with. When I was younger, I did not really have an interest in ghosts around the time that things started to happen. I mean, like, I was reading War of the Worlds, um, but I was also reading Lord of the Rings. I was a big reader. Um, I had other things on my mind. I was in middle school. I didn't have a boyfriend. um, So I was thinking about boys all the time. Um, (laughs) and I met my best friend at that time. So we were focused on kid stuff. 
playing outside, uh, going to school, dealing with bullies, like the usual, the usual fare. And we moved to a new house. And the very first occurrence that I had that made me have to confront what I had seen and what I had been living with was a girl that looked just like me in the doorway in a white gown and long curly hair. I have really long, um, naturally curly hair, same height, everything. And she just stood in the doorway and would watch me sleep. And at the time, um, I slept with my bedroom door open. And this went on for a few weeks. And finally, one night, I got the courage to ask her to quit watching me sleep. I don't know where this came from. I didn't have access to research this stuff to know how to handle it. I just thought, you know, maybe if I just say something, I'll feel better. Maybe I'm not actually seeing this thing. And I just said, hey, I'm tired. You're scaring me. Please let me sleep. And this thing turned around. And I remember hearing nails on the wall, like fingernails scraping the wall all the way down the hallway. I shut the door that night. And after that, I started sleeping with the door shut every night. Um, My parents... We had a rule where we didn't sleep with the door shut. So they were asking me, and I just kind of didn't really say anything about why it was shut. About a week after that, we came home from school, and my mother was in the living room, and I was in the hallway. And I looked into the living room to see my mother, um, and she had squatted down on the floor. She was working with one of our pets. And I saw this little girl run from the wall, out of the wall, towards the front door. And there was even a shadow that fell over my mother when she ran. And I was scared to death. Because I knew that there was no reason, if, if I was imagining it, there was no reason there should have been a shadow. I mean, I was a kid, but I was smart enough to understand basic physics. So later that evening, we were sitting at the table and we were eating. And you can ask my parents, I was not really the kind of kid to speak up about anything at all if I was bringing something up about feeling unwell or being afraid it was bad I've always been really 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 quiet really reserved really introverted and I told my mother what I saw and she stopped eating and I was crying because I was so upset I was afraid I was going to get in trouble and that she wouldn't believe me and because we had just moved into this house and I didn't want her to think I was mad because we moved into this house. And uh, she had actually seen the same thing that week. She saw it limping down the hallway past the bedroom and she had woken my father up to go check on all three of us girls because she thought one of us was sick. And none of us owned a white nightgown at this time and none of us walked with a limp but that's how much it looked like us like in the face 
she said that dad got up and checked and all of us were asleep. I mean, like dead asleep, could not have been awake. And she said that had spooked her really bad. And so she actually felt better after I had mentioned that. So that was like the first real experience that I had in that little house. That house was so strange. You walked in and it felt off kilter. It was a cute little house. I loved that house. Um, But as things got worse and I got older, I got to where I could not spend the night there anymore. I couldn't stay with my parents. Um, If it wasn't something whispering to me to wake up, it was strange noises coming from the kitchen. And you would hear the cabinets and the drawers open and shut all night long to the point where we were so used to it we just ignored it and we had a cabinet in the bathroom that would squeak so loudly and you would hear it opening and shutting um, usually around between two and four in the morning and my mother actually has eight hours (laughs) of EVP evidence that she sent off to have examined of just the strange noises that you could hear in our our kitchen and our bathroom and our living room. Just people talking, cabinets opening and shutting. And the person that she sent it to is, is very reputable, very well known. And he was able to find even more than what she heard the first listen through. And it was terrifying. It was not comforting to have that um it's the word I'm looking for you didn't want to know that it was real you didn't want to have the evidence that it was real from the time that I first started experiencing it I wanted more than anything for it to not be real um Because you got to carry that with you. You carry it really close to your chest. And that is such an incredibly heavy burden to have to carry, especially when you're a kid and you've got not really anybody to talk to about it. And some of the stuff that you see is just so bizarre. Um, Even my parents who were experiencing things, I was afraid to talk to them about it because there's always that that possibility that they're going to be like, oh, they're just acting out. Oh, they just want attention. Oh, they're just bored. Oh, they just have a big imagination. It was exhausting. That house mm. was exhausting. It it was normal stuff from the time I was 12 until about 14 or 15. The usual footsteps, uh, cabinet drawers opening and closing, that sort of thing. Just stuff that you can you can sort of write off as like, oh, I'm just tired, or oh, I'm just hearing this in a fan, or you can say, oh, well, it's like, what is it, like exploding head syndrome or some shit like that. Yeah. Um, you can just write it off really easily, especially when you're just exhausted from not being able to sleep. Um about yeah, it's like a it's like a defense mechanism. It is, and it is so effective, but unfortunately, you get to the point where you start to gaslight yourself mm-hmm. into believing it's not there, which I think compounds the issue 
infinitely because if you continue to experience this stuff and you've convinced yourself that it's another thing then there's this insurmountable amount of evidence that you have to try to explain away to yourself especially when you just absolutely cannot do it I think one thing I remember that I just could not explain away and I haven't been able to for years was rolling over in my bed and the curtains were open and this was a reoccurring thing my bedroom curtains would be open and that was not something that I did because I was terrified of looking out windows at night and we had issues with peeping toms and my curtains my 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 blinds were open and this is like middle of the night deep deep night and I see lights outside of my window that just do not make any sense whatsoever and I'm talking like it is dark outside it is there's a field that goes all the way back to this creek and behind that creek is another very large field where cattle are kept and so it's very dark in that little neighborhood and I see five bright green lights in a line and they're just there hovering in the dark like they're just they're not doing anything they're just there and I climbed out of bed to peek through the curtains um, and I I don't remember getting back in bed at the time the bed that I was sleeping in was on a platform and I am a very short woman and I was even shorter as a kid and to get into bed I had to do a little hop and jump to get into it I had to literally climb into my bed and I don't remember doing that I woke up with my face like against the wall and I, to this day, still, because I was wide awake when I saw that, I remember standing, the sensation of standing over the floor vent and pulling the curtains down and seeing the lights and thinking, what is this? And then waking up with my face against the wall. And it was a little bit after that that I started seeing these beings that I just to this day can't I cannot explain most of this stuff it still mm. makes me feel absolutely insane so when you were standing there looking at the lights do you remember what you felt how you felt confusion just mm. really deep deep confusion but also like apathy like I was confused but I also felt like I should have been feeling something other than confusion mm -hmm. because that obviously should not have been there and sure. like it was not it didn't last a long long time it was fairly it was a fairly brief moment but I remember it plain as day I mean absolutely and it was a just 
five bright neon green lights in a line and they were hovering very close to the ground this wasn't way up in the sky they were close um, in the field right behind my house and that was we lived on about an acre so they were less than an acre away from my bedroom window did these lights have was there any structure to it or were they just like these five individual lights did you see anything they no they were it was in a line like if it was along the edge of something Mm -hmm. there was a curve to them because i remember looking and seeing there were a couple that were closer than the others and there was one that that went around a curve and i remember thinking that's not right and um yeah it was they were definitely it was just so dark out there i remember there was a a light like a street light it was more like a safety light that was actually in our backyard between our fence line and the fence line of our neighbors and that was out and that thing was almost never out at night and it was that light itself was very bright when it was on and it was out like i'm talking it was deep like backcountry dark when i saw this thing so the 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 beings that you described to me seeing after this i um i still don't have context for and i've tried <laughs> I've, I've tried reaching out to people and i get it people are busy but um yeah, just um, d- describe these beings that you started to see after this event. So, we called them the humanoids. We didn't have any context for this. We we only had one contact at the time that was trying to help us with things that were going on in the house that were not your run-of-the-mill haunting and I think that the term humanoids is fine for what I saw, but not fine for the other things I saw down the road. These were their own separate beings. The sensations that they gave me were horrible. Like, long-lasting. Like, even just thinking about the first one I saw makes me want to throw up like I did then. This was not long after I saw the lights. I was in bed. And again, my bedroom blinds were open, um, which, as I stated, was not normal. And sunlight was pouring into my room from the backyard, so the same window that I would have seen the lights from. And the window was next to the head of my bed, Um, But to look out it, you still have to climb out of bed or crane your neck. So I roll over, and the initial feeling I have is confusion because my blinds are open and they shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. And this being that cannot be more than three, three and a half feet tall... Hold on, I'm sorry. That's okay. 
it was very small, it walks out of the wall right next to my head. And that would have been no more than a foot, foot and a half away from my face at the time. And it's naked, like naked as a jaybird. Mm-hmm. And it's pale and emaciated. There, I mean, you can see ribs on this thing. And right off the bat, something's very wrong with this this being it has no facial features there's nothing the face looks like it's smooth it's like an like an egg like there are no facial features no um, indentations for eyes no nostrils no slit for a mouth no anything there's nothing there and there's no genitalia it's butt-ass naked and there's no genitalia whatsoever and it has the most beautiful red hair just stick straight shiny immaculate red bright red hair that comes to its shoulders and it's cut in such a, a blunt manner it looks I don't know that it could ever be recreated something about it was just so ethereal mm-hmm. and it, I just remember looking at that hair and and being so confused by it and it walks out of the wall and it walks to the center of my bedroom where the sunlight ends and it just dissipates not disappears not suddenly it's not there anymore it dissipates and the feeling I had was just revulsion deep revulsion I wanted to vomit I was absolutely terrified I was in such shock that I sat there for maybe a minute or two before I was sure that I could leave my bedroom and I ran out in the hall and like I said I was a pretty quiet kid if I was carrying on I was usually with my best friend and it was for fun I was not somebody who yelled or made a huge scene when I needed help and um, even when I experienced some of the scarier parent paranormal stuff but I busted out of my bedroom like a bat out of hell and was yelling for my parents because I was so lost about what I saw it made absolutely no sense it was not a split second like blink and then it's gone kind of thing I watched it walk out of the wall and walk about six or seven feet forward and then dissipate in the sunlight so about a week or two later I'm going down the the hallway and our house was very very small the hallway literally was probably about 10 feet long 
I'll give it 15. And the bathroom shared a wall with my bedroom. And this is midday. This is not like just woke up, just about to go to bed. This is midday. I've been up a while. And I look in the bathroom. And in the sunlight, another of these creatures is toilet. And it's just hugging the bowl like it's sick. Like you do when you're, you've got a really severe hangover. Mm-hmm. And it turns and it looks at me. There's no facial features, no genitalia, nothing. But the hair on this one was almost white. Like it was blonde. It was obviously very blonde, but it was almost white blonde. Same as the red hair. Immaculate, shiny, beautiful. And that same sense of revulsion just washed over me. I wanted to vomit. And it dissipated in the sunlight. And I yelled for my parents. And um, we really did not know what to do with this knowledge. I've drawn pictures of it for my mother. Um, I think I actually got rid of them because having them in my possession made me so uncomfortable. I could not stand to keep them. I had mm-hmm. I burned them. I did not see those creatures anymore after that. I have no idea. I have no no fucking clue what those were. And they still bring just as much terror now, almost, well, it would have been a decade later, as they did mm. then. Yeah. I guess I could talk about Take a minute. Take a minute. You all right? Yeah. Um, so, I guess I can talk about the nightmares. From a really early age, this is before we moved here, so I would have been a kid, a very small kid, and before I talk about them, I have discussed them with therapists. (laughs) Um, We have talked about them at length, and we agree that it is not any sort of repressed trauma, childhood trauma. We agree that what these nightmares are about have nothing to do with the people in my life causing any sort of harm. Mm -hmm. Because I do not believe deep, deep down, after going through years of CBT and talk therapy and medicine and everything and talking about them, that it has anything to do with the people in my life. But from a, a... Well... A really early age, I started having these nightmares about being in bed. And I'm I'm laying in bed, and it's the middle of the night. And my door opens. 
and it was always somebody I knew and their eyes were never quite right they were too bright too red too dark and the way that they smiled was not right you did not feel joy when they walked in the room you knew immediately as soon as they walked in that you were in trouble and uh, this is people that you love more than anything with your whole heart family members that you love so dearly and so deeply and they would walk in calmly carefully almost creep and I knew deep 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 in the back of my mind something is screaming that's not your loved one that is not your loved one over and over I can just hear it over and over there's a voice screaming that is not your loved one and I knew instinctively absolutely no doubt that was not my loved one and these nightmares always felt more than nightmares they the there was a physical element about them that I knew I was awake and these these beings would crawl into bed with me and then I would fall asleep not really remember anything else other than them pulling the covers back I'm not even 100% sure they were crawling into the bed I just remember them pulling the covers back from my bed and I remember the closer that they got to the bed, the more I realized they looked absolutely nothing like my loved ones. But I don't remember what they actually looked like. Mm-hmm. And this went on for years. And when I would wake up, usually for about three days after, I would be so physically ill. It would feel like somebody had taken a stick and just swirled my insides. Like, it felt like everything was completely mixed up inside there. I would feel so violated. Like, I had experienced something that I had not been able to consent for. And I'm a kid. Like... This stuff happened later on while I was in college, but I was a kid, and I was a very sheltered child. My parents took wonderful care of me. I grew up in a very religious family. My mother was so protective of her kids, and if somebody gave her the creeps, they weren't allowed around the house anymore. But we were very sheltered, and there were sensations and things I should not have known at that age and they all had to do with these nightmares and they lasted they were more frequent in that house after those lights I could hear the door of my bedroom opening 
because it would stick and it was a loud pop whenever it would open it would wake up the whole house and I remember that would be the thing that woke me up was the pop and I would look up and see them walking in and shutting the door behind them and it was always somebody that wasn't in my house (laughs) somebody that didn't live with me and so I knew that it, it was not that person so I got older and I started experiencing the same nightmares in college and they went on for a while um and then I moved and they stopped and they didn't happen again for about two years and usually they would start up several months after I moved so a little bit before I would move again and they would start to pick up in frequency and get worse and every time I would move they would stop they would cease for a a long time and I still have those nightmares Um, they stopped this last time that we moved and I'm kind of hoping they don't come back, but I have a really bad feeling that they'll start up again soon, probably in the spring, like always. And uh, it was about the time I was having those nightmares that I had the experience with the tall man. Now, I I know that's a... um, That's... Uh, of anything that you've ever talked to me about that is probably the the one that you have always been most hesitant to talk about um do you want to talk about him yeah are you sure yeah i'm kind of hoping somebody else knows something about it okay So, I live with my boyfriend, and he's a very deep skeptic, although he really enjoys learning about it, reading about it. He goes back and forth. He'll bullshit and say, yeah, 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 I could see that, but then if something happens, he's... He finds ways to explain it away or to just repress it. And there was one particular night, and I know I was awake for all of this because I remember the sensation of the noises on my my ears. There was one night I woke up, sat straight up in bed. And realized that all the power was off. Everything was off. And I was awake for several seconds before I heard it kick back on. And this noise, this incredibly loud, deafening noise, just this roar, like if you were standing next to a jet engine, 
just fills the whole apartment. It is so loud. I'm hard of hearing, so really loud noises hurt my ears, like cause physical pain. And my ears hurt so bad. And I'm sitting up in bed, and I remember yelling at the top of my lungs, what is that? And my boyfriend rolls over like he he's not really sure what's happening. And we both sit up. And the noise starts to die down, and we just lay back down. The power's back on. Feels almost like everything's back to normal. So, this happened between the hours of 11 and 1, because we had a clock that I could check. Between 2 and 3, I wake up, and my boyfriend is sitting straight up in bed. And he's looking at the doorway, wide-eyed. He's very obviously awake. And I sit up and I scoot a little closer to him. And I say, what are you doing? And he starts muttering about the tall man. And he says, the tall man's in the living room. He, he wants to talk to us. And I said, who's the tall man? And he goes, the tall man. He's in the living room. He's in here. And I said, I, I don't know who the tall man is. And he just keeps muttering over and over. It's the tall man. It's the tall man. It's the tall man. And I pass back out. I guess I just flopped over. But he's he's sitting up staring at the doorway. So between four and five... I wake up again. My boyfriend's sitting up in bed. And he's looking at the doorway again. So I sit up. And I kind of scoot towards the center of the bed. And I ask him what he's doing and he said he's here and I said who's here and he says the tall man he's here and I look up and there's this incredibly tall figure in my bedroom doorway our bedroom door is wide open We never sleep with the door open. And it's standing there watching. It's got really long limbs, long torso. It's got, it's above seven feet tall. It's huge. And I I can't see features. I can't see anything except this, this dark figure. And he... My boyfriend, he's like, that's the tall man. He's like, he's here. He wants, he wants to talk to us. And I just remembered 
deep, deep, deep terror. Just rattle. It's just it's coursing through my whole body, and just this really strange understanding of the tall man that I don't understand now. Like I knew the tall man. That he had been in the living room waiting for me to wake up. And I remember passing back out. And waking up the next morning. And I felt like I had been hit with a bus. And having grown up in a pretty wacky little house, I knew that the best way to understand someone else's experience was to not lead them on when you're trying to get them to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of just let my boyfriend talk about it. I didn't really say anything, kind of just asked how he was, how he felt, if he slept well. And he also felt like he'd been hit with a bus. We had bruises. And our bodies were so sore and stiff. Um, I think I actually called into work that day because I could barely walk. Both of us were just... It was like if somebody just beaten us down. And we were exhausted. I remember the exhaustion, like, stuck around for two weeks after. I could not get myself back up. I felt like I'd been drained. And he was able to recall what happened for about two weeks. And gradually, he's been able to repress it to the point where he can adamantly deny it anything ever happened but he believes that it did mm-hmm. which seems you know really that's it seems like a normal thing to do yeah especially in a situation like that to repress a memory as as traumatic as that yeah and uh, i'm envious that he can do that because well, it seems like such a simple sort of, I, I don't know, encounter. Waking, I don't, don't remember the tall man touching me. But the fear, just, I cannot even express the terror I felt. It's, it's like looking at something that you know shouldn't be there. And everything about it is absolutely wrong. And it's just breaking your mind. And it's just constant terror that just washes over you. It's It was so deep. And it, I think about it every day. I don't know why. I just really want to know what it is. But I've only seen the tall man once. 
and we didn't give it that name. I think it gave it to us. Because I did not call it the tall man to begin with. My boyfriend called it the tall man. And I think it was the best way we could describe it at the time was the tall man. It, I have been scared the entire time I've listened to this. I've, and, and this isn't the first time I've heard this story. And it's... I... Um, I, I still can't quantify this. And I think that's... I, I That's where my fear comes from. I, I don't know... What the fuck? I just... Like, I, I feel like I can't even handle it. I mean, that's... That's, that's why we're here. Is because... We both can't handle this, in in, in a way. You, you more so than me, but I'm hoping somebody's listening, and I'm hoping somebody. I I hope nobody's ever experienced anything like this. Nobody else, but like, at the same time, like, I I, I hope somebody has something because I I. Fuck, I just... I, I can barely handle it right now. Do you care if I take a break? No, go right okay. ahead. Okay, I'll be right back. At this point, we had to take a break. We came back and lightened the mood by talking about our Christmas traditions and some personal paranormal experiences that were a little lighter in tone done with the second season of Hellier and at first I wanted to just like reach out to say hey we live in a really wacky ass area I grew up outside of Ashland like can I talk to you about some of the weird ass like high strangeness and we're almost done with it and I see which direction it's going and I get it it's really neat but like at the same time I'm to the point now too where like what we have going on is so different and yeah their stuff is terrifying as well as ours and ours is terrifying in a different way and like I mentioned like keeping it really close to your chest and you just you kind mm -hmm. of do because like part of the reason I hate talking about the tall man is because there's a feeling in my chest when I talk about some of this stuff when I have to actually say it out loud, it is like somebody taking a fist and crushing, like, the center of, like, the, the branch of your lungs. I guess mm -hmm. the, the bronchioles or whatever. It feels like the wind is being crushed out of me when I try to talk yeah. about it. And part of that is anxiety, but the other part of it is just this feeling that he is going to be very pissed off that yeah. I said anything at all. Because with those nightmares especially, there was always this element of do not tell 
anyone. And the yeah. tall man, I literally felt like I was in trouble. Like it was, it's both the sense that like you're about to get killed, but also the like you have been very naughty. Yeah. And I guess that's just part of the reason is it's it's terrifying for one, but also it feels like I'm having to fight past some sort of barrier that says you absolutely cannot talk about this. Yeah, and that and that you know that could be a deeply psychological like um, defense mechanism. Yeah, I mean, and part of it too is like I don't I don't want anybody to hear it and just experience really strong ridicule, but. And I get the, like, really deep psychological aspect to it, but it's also, it's like I'm not allowed. Yeah. And that's something that, um, um, I'm trying to think who specifically, like, there's, there's a couple of people that, a couple of, uh, uh abduction, um, abductees that have said stuff like that like um the alakash yeah. guys well i i think it was jack weiner that actually had beings coming to him in his dreams to tell him not to talk about it yeah so it's not unfamiliar it's just it literally like it feels like if they were to like bend down and tell me like if you say anything about this at all you're fucked yeah. and I think that's why it's taken me like so long to want yeah. to even tell anybody because it one if it, it sounds fucking insane for some reason it, it feels easier to accept the more paranormal aspects of things than to admit that there could be something else out there and I, you know, I experience, I've experienced a lot of really whack, wacky, like fucked up shit, but mm-hmm. the stuff that I've told you about these beings and the tall man, there is no kind of fear, like the fear when you see somebody that's over seven feet tall and you, you have this feeling that you are able to see past the, the black figure to see mm-hmm. what's really there but you cannot remember it but yeah. you know like you were looking right at this motherfucker and you know what you're saying should not be there it is not it is absolutely impossible for it to be there and but it, it gets worse when you realize that there's some sort of almost like screen between the vis- your vision and this being that's keeping you from remembering what it looks like so instead of being able to actually rationally understand why you feel that fear when you're looking at them there's that aspect where you don't understand why you're so fucking afraid like you know something's really really wrong but you cannot make that connection and it's like you hit a like a wall every single time you try to remember and there's a part of me too that's like if I was able to remember some of this stuff, I don't know how I would be after 
Like, I I don't know what it would... I mean, obviously, it's already done something. But I don't know what it would be like after the actual aftermath of remembering it. Yeah. Yeah, because you've, you've blacked out, so you don't... There's a whole bunch of missing shit in yeah. there that you, that you don't... Yeah. Know, so. Let's... Yeah. I don't know. Just... There's so much crazy stuff, like the fucking time warp thing while I was pumping my gas on 60 and losing 20 minutes of time just standing there pumping my fucking gas. And realizing everybody's moving just as slow as I am. I swear, I did not have a stroke. I've had all kinds of blood work. I've had, like, scans of my head like i did not have a stroke i don't know what that was and it bothers me to this day because it literally felt like i was i couldn't even breathe i remember standing there struggling to breathe and being so confused and it was a hot day and it was very sunny and it was two in the afternoon so it's broad daylight so but it's just Something's happened. I should not be this irrationally afraid of great gray owls. But I should also not be this obsessed with owls or astrophysics. There's no reason for me to enjoy that shit. Like, I should not be this afraid to sleep at night. Like, part of the reason I'm doing this night shift is to see if I sleep better during the day, and I do. Mm-hmm. I guess because I feel like I'm safer in the light. Right. But, like, and I hate saying it out loud, but, Rob, I really think something happened. Yeah. Maybe somebody will. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe somebody else has seen the tall man. Maybe. I'm almost um, afraid if they have, though. Yeah. I, I, I would be, too. Um, let's, um... Let's close this out. Okay. And uh, uh, I just want to thank you for coming on and telling, you know, these stories because I know it's not an easy thing. And uh, it's not an easy thing to live with. It's not an easy thing to put into the context of words. So thank you. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, We're going to set up a, a specific email. So that if people want to get in touch with you, um, we'll have that. I will put that in uh, the show notes, and I will also uh, I'll, I'll have a little bit at the end of this. Uh, I'll record something so that people will know um, uh, where they can get into contact. And um, if there's if there's anything that you hope that telling these stories can do, what do, what do you hope that that comes from this and what do you hope that people take away from this that's such a loaded question (laughs) i know i know because like i really hope to have some clarity on this but at the same time i'm absolutely terrified to get Mm -hmm. any clarity on this and i really I really want others to know that it's okay to hold these things very close to yourself, but it's not 
okay to want to only keep it to yourself that you need to talk to somebody because these things fester and whether you notice it or not holding on to it and not talking about it really isolates and alienates you from the rest of your friends and your family and the population and there's just a lot of negative aspects to it. It's just, it does some real psychological damage. So I just yeah. want people to talk about it. Yeah. And, and that's a, that's a good message to send forward. So again, thank you. No problem. If you want to get into contact with Lauren, you can do so by emailing OSS Witness Lauren at gmail.com. That's O S S W I T N E S S L A U R E N at gmail.com. And if you want to get into contact with us, head on over to ourstrangeguys.com where you can find all our contact information at the bottom of the page. Have a good night.